This is a 20 by 70 podcast extra. If you're someone who, like us at the Committee of 70, expects more from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C., then subscribe to the 20 by 70 podcast on the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you go to binge great audio. I'm David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, Philadelphia's longstanding advocate for better politics and better government. We have a primary election coming up May 21st. Lots of candidates running for office from mayor, city council, city commissioner, just about everything uh, here in Philadelphia. So uh, it's an important election. There are a lot of candidates uh, now out talking to voters in, in what we think of as a job interview. That's the best way that we think about political campaigns. So we're holding a series of job interviews uh, with city commissioner candidates. And I'm joined today by current city commissioner, Lisa Dealing. Hey, David, Lisa, how thanks are you? for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And we'll spend about 15 minutes uh, talking to uh, Commissioner Dealey about her uh, time in office, uh, past, uh, present, and, and future. Um, so let me begin with a, qu a question that's particularly important for this office. Um, a lot of people don't know what a city commissioner does, what the job is. Uh, so give us your version, and you've been helped by you know, having done this job for four years, what is the job and why are you running again? So the job of the city commissioner is to make sure that elections are well run on election day, that the polls are operational, and that people feel as though they can vote in a free and fair way. And it's also our responsibility to make sure that the information comes back to us after the election and that the votes are able to be counted and elections are, be, are able to be certified. And in addition to that, we're responsible for all the voter registration uh, that anybody that registers to vote in Philadelphia or has any change or amended to their voter registration, we are responsible for making sure all that happens. We're also responsible for, um, we are the state depository for campaign finance information in Philadelphia. So we do a lot of that. Um, and we also are responsible for, uh, in the municipal elections, for the nomination petition process as well. So there are many functions. Some folks have suggested that one of the roles of the city commissioner is to be an advocate for uh, better ways to do things. Some of that would take you to Harrisburg up the turnpike uh, to talk to legislators, the governor's office to try to enact changes in the election code, which is governs the elections here. How, how do you see that role in city commissioner? So I believe that it's, you know, it is part of our job, certainly to always advocate for um, anything that will help people have access to the election. And as you know, I've worked um, with state representative Jared Solomon and other state representatives on a comprehensive look at the state election code, because quite honestly, it, it does need changing. It's archaic. And there are changes that can be made that will really, in my mind, uh, make a dramatic increase in voter turnout, such as um, no excuse absentee ballot, same day voter registration, randomization of a ballot. You know, there, there's a couple things that certainly uh, need to be amended or re-looked at, you know, for, for, the, for today's voter. Are those three top of your list? I would say they are the three top of my list, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, how would you handicap there? What, what, let me ask you this. What will it take to, uh, to get the, build the political support to get those done in Harrisburg? Well, I think the political support is there for the, from the Democratic side. Unfortunately, uh, we sit in the minority. So I don't know that the will is there for the majority party to, to enact any of those changes. 
um, but we're going to keep on plugging. What else will make a difference? Uh, because there's a lot that's said about voter turnout, participation, engagement, awareness, education, but sometimes it feels like trying to pin jello to the wall. Uh, it's a little elusive as to what what the to-do list actually ought to be. It, it does it does indeed seem like it's elusive. You know, the candidates and campaigns spend millions of dollars uh, in the weeks prior to election trying to um, enlighten people and let them know there's an election happening. We are constantly in this day of social media. Today's a perfect example. As I sit here with you, we're constantly being uh, receiving information about elections through social media and text messages and Twitter or Instagram. And still, people are not making the connection between voting and why does it matter to them. And I think that's really where the disconnect is. People don't really feel connected to their government. So they don't feel like their vote matters. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us as public servants, elected officials, we all have a, a job to do in as much as we have to let the public know that we are their employees, we're beholden to them, and we, we work at their, at their leisure. Like if they, if they want us there, they'll vote us back in. And if not, then, we, then we're not there. That needs to be you know, if, you're, if you have a, a situation where you're not getting service or you disagree with one of your uh, representatives, you're op, you're, you have an opportunity to vote against them or vote for them. Or, you know, I think that's where the disconnect lies. And we've been doing a lot in the commissioner's office. Uh, I'm really proud of that. We've been out every night, you know, for three and a half years. I, I haven't stopped. I'm going to civic meetings and community meetings, schools. I've been all over the city trying to both educate people about the commissioner's office and at the same time talk to them about voting. You know, a lot of times we get into conversations with people and they share our thoughts and opinions and we assume that they're voters, right? So people, we need to start asking people in conversation on the yeah. bus at Wawa, yeah. are you a voter? Yeah. And you would well, be I'm surprised, right, right. <laughs> but you would be surprised, right, by people, people just assume based on their conversation. Yeah. So let me throw this at you. So you are an elected official and yet you're in charge of the voting process. A lot of politics, you're no stranger to the local politics. Um, if you were really good at your job as city commissioner and let's say turnout for local elections went from you know 20 something percent to 40 something percent, uh, that might be good for everybody overall, but some candidates, some candidates out there, uh, city council or mayor or whatever would actually, um, be hurt by that, by greater turnout. So, because, you know, elected officials job is to win 50% of the people who turn out on election day. And if that's fewer, so be it. Well, I think greater uh, participation <clears throat> leads to better elections. You know, the more people that participate, the less chance there is of any uh, fraud or abuse. And people have more confidence in the election when they see you know, when you go into the polling place and there's people that are voting and it's an active, it's an active environment, you feel a little better about it than when you go in and you hear crickets and you're mm -hmm. the only person there. So uh, certainly for the whole voting process and for us as elected officials and citizens really of this great country, we all need to participate yeah. in that process. So I want to talk a little bit about your last four years and, and beyond, sort of your, your, uh, your background, your accomplishments, but I want to start with uh, a controversial decision you and your colleagues made a couple of weeks ago about uh, uh, voting to uh, select new election machines, mm -hmm. which, you know, you know, as background, the, the, the governor suggested as strongly as he could that we needed to have new machines in place by this November. 
uh, as one uh, step to protect ourselves from uh, security violations. Um, certainly a lot of that's been in the news. You all made a pick. A lot of folks didn't agree with the pick, didn't agree with the process. Can you explain that or sure. justify that decision? Uh, a or? couple things. Um, the timeline was not a, a timeline that was decided by us. That was the governor's timeline. And the process, even though we are independently elected officials, we are still bound by the city's uh, rules of procurement. So the process wasn't our process either. It was the city's uh, best value procurement process. That's a process that the city uh, selects purchases with, and that's the process that we use. With regard to the selection, I believe that I made the best choice for all of Philadelphia's voters, uh, especially uh, voters with um, disabilities, because I believe that separate is not equal. And if there was an opportunity for everybody to be able to vote on the same system, I really wanted to make sure that that opportunity was- Was the disability fulfilled. advocacy community with you on that? Yes, the disability advocacy community was you know, pretty uh, uh, impressive in their uh, advocacy for that. We had a lot of adv advocacy for the choice that we uh, selected. You know, I went to community meetings throughout the city. I went to ward committee meetings. I went to um, organizations and civic associations. I wrote a letter to every elected judge of elections. There was a lot of outreach leading up uh, to that selection. And plus we had the two uh, public comment sessions where, you know, there was a small group of people that came to those meetings and they expressed their their you know, desired choice, unfortunately. I didn't feel that that was the best choice for all of Philadelphians, but I, I look forward um, to you know, having this new equipment come. And I really do believe uh, that it's an opportunity to really transform elections in Philadelphia. The equipment that we chose will allow for ballot randomization and it will allow for same-day voter registration. Should those changes ever come through the state legislature, Philadelphia will be able to enact them you know, day one because we have the equipment to do so. we would even be able we would be able to do that as well you know given the legislative authority they um the software that we have will enable us to make all those changes and we can we'll even be able to uh, build out language access okay. as a need arises and some folks have suggested we picked the most expensive <coughs> excuse me expensive option uh and criticize us for all of that the, these are you know is a sort of delicate electronic equipment that we've got to build special storage facilities for. I, I no don't, apologies. I mean, no, I read that that we have to build a. Uh, I don't. No apologies because that's just not okay. true. The market. So has as that. of now, as far as you're concerned, we're on track. We are and on have track. machines in place for November 19th. We are on track to have machines in place for November 2019, and we'll be looking to uh, partner with Committee of 70 to get that information out because we have a lot of work ahead of us. We have to train our staff, our poll workers and the public. Um, leading up to November, we're going to do a pretty extensive training. And then after November, we're going to continue to train because you and I both know um, the people that vote in November, more people will vote in the April presidential primary. So we want to make sure that everybody in Philadelphia knows before April that there's a new way of voting in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, let's look back to other aspects of your last four years. You served one term. Uh, you've done other things before that. What, what, are, your, what are two or three uh, accomplishments that you're most proud of that you think voters ought to know that would give them confidence that you can do this job well? Well, a couple things. So my first elected position was judge of elections when I was 18. And I know firsthand the importance of our, our neighbors that work our polls for us. We couldn't get elections off the ground without our neighbors who are pretty much volunteers. Um, so one of my first uh, 
first efforts was to get a raise for the poll workers, which they received their first raise is $20 in over 20 years. It took 20 years to get $20, but I believe that my relationships and uh, my advocacy for that, you know, really made it happen. And I've been proud of that. I'm also proud to say that we have a great relationship uh, with the prisons, the prison system and the prison commissioner. And every uh, six months I go to up to State Road and we uh, do an instructional seminar where we teach them how to fill out voter registration forms and absentee ballot applications. And I also film a video that is aired on their closed circuit television, which also instructs on the uh, absentee ballot process and the voter registration process. And the difference between what, what might have happened prior and what happens now is there's one person in the prison system and there's one person in my office that all that information goes back and forth to. So if there is an omission or an error in an application, you know, we get it right back so that people don't feel any sort of distrust yeah. in the process. I, think so. I actually just saw a report today on the topic of prison gerrymandering, if you're familiar with that. Basically, uh, Pennsylvania's interpreted state law that says you count for population purposes, if you're in prison, where the prison's located rather than your hometown. And this report came out of Villanova said that if you, if we reverse that, if we counted uh, Philadelphians uh, as Phil residents of Philadelphia rather than the prison, Philadelphia would pick up, I think, three uh, state house seats. So is that an issue? We, I, yeah, um, I haven't read the report and I don't, I can't really speak much about it, but we are looking at, um, which I can't talk about to yet because we're um, talking to some state representatives about doing some changes with the prisoners um, and the detainees, I should say, that mm -hmm. are not, and how, how they're voting and how, how we can look at that. Yeah. Um, let me uh, uh, fast forward. Let's pretend it's uh, April uh, 2023 rather than April 1919. Let's assume you get reelected. You've served another four years. Again, specific, what, what would you be uh, touting as your accomplishments 2023? Well, right now we're working with um, the Board of Ethics on uh, getting an okay to put up an election guide on our website, which if we can get that done, I would think that would be a great accomplishment. Um, people, we should be an office that is uh, providing that information to all the residents and the voters of Philadelphia. Right now, our first stab at it, um, we were uh, told we couldn't do it because it violates the city's uh, political activity regulation, but uh, we don't, I don't see it like that. And we have to um, see if there's a way to finesse that. So we're not doing that because certainly we don't want to, but we want to be able to provide information to voters where they, they should be getting it, like who's mm -hmm. running, what they're running for. Um, another thing that I, I'm going to be proud of is the transformative way Philadelphia's vote. I, there's been a lot of talk about the voting machines, but I really think what's going to really transform the way Philadelphia votes is the electronic poll book. Mm -hmm. It's going to uh, do a lot to take away that the logjam at the table and the confusion mm -hmm. and all the uh, unknowns. So I think that the um, electronic poll book is going to be a great addition to the way Philadelphia votes. And that again, because that's tied in with the procurement of the machines, that should be in place? Yes, sir. Okay, November 19th? Yes. So this general election? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and that, you know, you, you know yourself when you go into the polling place and there's a problem finding the name in the book, what it can create, and then people have to. I can tell you my own horror stories, yes. but I'm sure everyone yes. has horror stories. And then there's, it, it creates like a distrust in the system, and I really think the electronic poll book uh, will be uh, transformative. Yeah. A simple question, then we got to wrap up. How well 
do you, would you support the commissioners putting out like a really good report a month afterwards, say month after an election that answers the question, how do we do? Yeah, I'm mean, looking at wait times or processing of absentee ballots, a lot, lot of other jurisdictions. Do yes, that. You know, I, we've been looking at other jurisdictions and what their copy looks like. And we've, uh, DC has a good one, or they do, and Montgomery County does something similar. Um, we're looking at that and seeing if it's something that, so if, if we can get it done, it's definitely something that we're going to look forward to doing. Okay. We're going to wrap. Lisa Dilley, thanks for joining yes, us. Uh, again, election coming up, primary election May 21st. Um, hope this was useful. Uh, make a plan to vote. I encourage your friends, family, neighbors, relatives, uh, your dog, well, except for your dog, <laughs> everybody uh, voting on, uh, on May 21st. If you want to learn more about uh, candidates and issues and so forth, take a look at our world-class voters guide at 70.org. You can also download the WeVote app uh, from the App Store, wherever you get your apps, uh, and that'll give you in the palm of your hand everything you need to uh, get out and vote on May 21st. And uh, we'll see you at the polls. Hi, this is David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, Philadelphia's long-standing advocate for better government and better politics. We have a primary election coming up on May 21st. A lot of candidates running for office, and the way we look at it, a political campaign is kind of like a job interview. So to help you voters out there in Philadelphia, we're doing a series of job interviews with candidates for the Office of City Commissioner. And I'm uh, joined this morning by Jen DeVore, who is one of those candidates. We're going to spend a few minutes with Jen talking about past, present, uh, and future. So Jen, welcome. Great. It's a, a pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much for having me, David. Great. <clears throat> so uh, the first question, which is a particularly challenging one for the Office of City Commissioner, because a lot of people don't really know what this office yep. is, what is this office and why are you running for it? Well, I mean, I think it, you bring up a great point. And as we travel across the city, talking to voters and doing events, you're right. Many people don't even know what this office is, that it exists. Um, and that's part of why I'm running for it, because this one is an office that I feel has great power and potential, and more people need to know how to make it accountable. Um, so I believe that this Office of City Commissioner um, oversees all elections. It makes sure that election day is up and running smoothly. The polls are staffed. Um, there's strong trainings, and everyone has a positive voting experience. It's also responsible for protecting voter rights, making sure that every eligible Philadelphian knows that they can vote and does so without incident. And then really, I believe it's the office that's best positioned to increase voter turnout. Mm -hmm. That's important locally because we want to have strong competitive elections, but it's also connected to the state too. We as Philadelphians have an underutilized power where if we increase voter turnout locally, then we can win state and national elections. And we have this entire infrastructure set up in the commissioner's office to do this. And I think it's right for change. Um, so there's, there's sort of two pieces. One is they could yeah. say, make it in trains run on time. Yeah. Twice a year, yes. there's an election. We've got to make sure uh, you guarantee no long lines in a presidential race. So, I mean, we need to totally uh, staff our election boards. And I think that's part you hear. I mean, again, talking to voters across the city, you hear incidences on election day, long lines, um, 
uh, names not being on the roll call, um, accessibility issues, um, staff not knowing how to use the ADA compliant um, accessories or language barriers without access to translators. So we need to make sure that our polls are fully staffed and that we have hands-on training, especially because we're going to be getting a new voting system and we need to incorporate that in that. Right. So we'll talk a little yeah, bit more about that absolutely. in a bit. Yeah. So on the second point, you know, the, the we'll call it the soapbox uh, mm -hmm. role of advocating for sure, yeah. more <laughs> engagement and so forth. Um, the fact that uh, if more Philadelphians turn out, um, that increases the power of Philadelphia in the, in the context of Pennsylvania mm -hmm. is not lost on folks from the rest of the state. So yeah. what seems like a pretty innocent, why don't we all turn out and vote, mm -hmm. all of a sudden becomes an important uh, lever in the in the political power game. Yeah. So uh, how would you think about going up to Harrisburg and advocating for changes that clearly benefit Philadelphia, but might shift the balance of power in the rest of the Commonwealth? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I see the committee, the commissioner's office, as an organizing tool because when we use our collective voice through our vote, um, you know, we we can send a powerful message, and so. Um, I think that this office should be collaborating with the um, with CCAPS, the County Commissioners Association of Pennsylvania. Um, we should be um, advocating for state election code reform by using the data, the research, the testimony that this office has um, access to and, and the power to create. Um, and then really, again, when, when we increase voter turnout, we show that um, have more influence and more sway, that's going to affect state elections. If a candidate wants to win Pennsylvania, I think they should have to take Philadelphians' needs into, into concern. Mm -hmm. And we vote democratically here in Philadelphia, and so and we are, we are a majority Democrat city, um, but we still don't have the numbers to, to have that influence. Yeah. So what's your top two or three lists in terms of uh, election or voting reforms that you'd want to take with you uh, on the turnpike to Harris. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a, that's a question that I can answer personally, and then there's a question that I can answer as commissioner. Personally, I'm very interested in open primaries, um, so more Philadelphians feel like they have a choice. Um, I'm also uh, interested in looking at lowering the voting age um, and making sure that, um, you know, we're having no excuse absentee ballots too. So I think these are all things that will increase voter turnout. But as commissioner, because it is an elected position, which we can talk about if it should be or not, um, my job is to be a representative. So I'm interested in holding public forums to make sure that people's um, interest in these state election code reforms are brought to the table and then um, advocating for what the consensus right. is. So uh, still on this question of being an advocate mm -hmm. uh, for change, uh, one of the challenges of the Office of City Commissioners is it's a, uh, it's, you could say it's a three-headed monster. Uh, two from majority party, one from the minority party. Yeah. So uh, before you march off to Harrisburg, don't you have to build some consensus among the yep. two or three of you? Uh, and how do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we need to have def more unity, um, fully staffed and uh, fully present um, functioning office. Um, and there's, you know, there's no surprise there that that's going to be a first step. Um, my background is in relationship management. Um, I've worked um, for the past uh, seven years at Campus Philly as director of partnerships. And so I know how to bring diverse um, 
diverse perspectives to the table. Um, this is bigger than all of us. This is not about um, a piece of real estate and me going in and doing my thing. Um, so we need to have that collective voice um, together. And I think by having more public forums to do that um, and bringing more visibility to this office, um, it'll put, put good pressure on the three commissioners working together because without visibility, you can't have accountability. Right. Well, let me... Since you uh, opened the door there, let's just pose a hypothetical, which looks a lot like real life. Okay. Uh, which is that you're elected city commissioner, and it becomes apparent early in your term that one of your colleagues doesn't show up to work. Just plain old doesn't show up to work. Yeah. So as a colleague, as a fellow elected official, what do you do? Yeah. Well, we need to talk about this publicly. Um, this should not be something that's discovered by the press one day. Um, if we have these um, regularly scheduled, this sun, known as sunshine meetings, where all the commissioners come and convene, and we promote them in at, well in advance, and we have them consistently happening, um, and we work to engage the community to show up for these and realize their stake in, in the conversation, then it does become more visible. And it, again, it does put that positive pressure on, you know, on, with all eyes on the office. So would yeah. you go after that person? Would you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to bring attention to it. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. It shouldn't be, and that's what I meant by it shouldn't be just secretly discovered by the press. The commissioners need to be actively holding each other accountable. All right. One other uh, uh, sort of big decision mm -hmm. that is uh, actually current uh, yeah. uh, around the city commissioners, and that's the, the choice of new election machines, Yes. Uh, new voting machines. The, the governor has made it as clear as he can that he wants new machines in place mm -hmm. by November, this November's uh, election yep. so that we have a chance to get used to them by um, uh, the primary of next year. The commissioners, the city commissioners made a choice of machine. There's a lot of controversy out there about the process, the choice, a lot of back and forth. So where are you on that? And, and kind of bring out <clears throat> what difference does this make? Yeah, so I've said time and time again, I believe that we picked the worst, most expensive, least secure uh, voting system. And I'm disappointed in the decision. And leading up to it, I've been very active um, for advocating for hand-marked paper ballots with limited ballot marking devices. Um, I, uh, you know, the, the thing that I feel most strongly about with my campaign is that even in the process of getting to the office, we've been trying to move the needle and we've been bringing national attention to this. Um, we've spoken, I've spoken at rallies, I've testified with the city commissioners, um, trained people to come to testify. Um, we weren't successful in getting our message out. Um, and I bet if you looked at the public records of everyone that asked, um, that gave an opinion on the machines, you would see that the decision was made was very different. Um, I think it's a huge, uh, it's a huge controversy and I'm thankful that the controller's office is looking into this and continues to do so and as well as the general auditor. Um, not only is there an issue with, um, with the, the, the decision, but when you break it down, um, this is a machine that's been known to, to not be secure and to have issues with the barcode printout. Um, this is a machine where um, it is not rated top quality for ADA accessibility. This is a machine that needs an entire new building, basically built for it to store um, and to keep it year round. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know where the connection is to why we made yeah. this decision. Is this sort of a moot point though, because you'd take office if you're elected in January of 2020. 
when it's too late, isn't it? To well, so we'll see, right? So, or? so we'll see. I know that the controller's office, as I said, is is examining this, and um, we'll follow where that goes. Um, no matter what machines we use, though, it all goes back to how election day is going to operate, and so we need to focus on staffing our election uh, board. I wrote an op-ed for the Inquirer this past summer leading into the November election. At the time, we had a 49% vacancy rate of poll workers. Like, that's a crisis in the city. Um, so now we need to staff poll workers, and we need to train not only the staff, but voters, committee people, anyone that has a stake in this upcoming election, which really is all of us, on how to use this new system. Yeah. So we need to figure this out quickly. Yeah. Just as an editorial comment, um, Every single election seems to be marked by a certain amount of confusion. <laughs> yes. And the research says that when people are confused, when voters are confused about what happens when you go to the polls or they're not getting a straight yeah. answer from them, then that it dissuades them from voting. So. Yeah, I, I'll just say, I think, you know, we have low voter turnout in Philadelphia, and I don't blame people because I feel that when I feel that people feel can feel dumb when they vote. And I don't, I don't think that's their fault. I think it's by design and we need to change that. I don't like to feel dumb. And so uh, that's why we need to make this office more accessible, more transparent. And really this is an office that belongs to the people and we need to bring it back. Yeah. Let me ask you a two part question, which are of similar. Um, yeah, you really got me going here, David. Well, this is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a tough job. Yeah. Um, what, what have you done in your past that you know, specific things that you think translates well to yeah. the challenge of the city commissioners. And then that's part A. Part B is uh, four years from now, if you're elected and you look back and you say, you know, here are the one, two, three things that I was able to accomplish in my tenure. Yeah. How do you look at look past and, and uh, look backwards and look forward? Yeah, so I, I have a unique, uh, rich background um, embedded in community organizing, community activism, um, but I've also, I've, I've done all the jobs that interact with this office. I'm currently a committee person. I'm a block captain. In the past, I've worked my polls on election day. Um, I'm a voting rights activist. I've written about this. Um, I've spoken at different um, rallies and events and panels. Um, so I know how elections run in Philadelphia, and I know where the gaps and challenges and opportunities are. Um, I have a background in communications and community outreach um, and how to make information accessible to people. I think this office should function as a public information agency where we're sharing strong, um, in strong and efficient information year round. Um, I've also completed uh, a fellowship with the Committee of 70 uh, back in 2017. The, I was part of the inaugural Buckles class yep. where we, um, you know, we created an app called WeVote, which if you don't have it, you can download it in the App Store um, that gamifies voting and, and makes it um, part of a comfortable nonpartisan conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, and, and I, um, I'm a UArts grad too, which I think is very unique, you know, to have that. Um, background in design because we can talk about putting information out all day, but if it's not appealing and if it's not drawing people in, then uh, then it's not going to be right. re reconnecting them to the process. Right. Um, as for what I hope to accomplish in my tenure, um, I think it's raising visibility to this office um, so people do know what it is and how to make it work for them. 
It's making sure that election day is running smoothly and that we are promoting opportunities to work the polls. I cannot stress this enough. That's one of my biggest priorities is fully staffing our election boards. Um, and then also um, being a bigger player in the state, as we talked about. I think yeah. it's, it's a great opportunity to do so. So on the, on the sort of performance side, yeah. uh, we've noted that there are jurisdictions around the country, there are states, mm -hmm that use a, a dashboard, uh, a publicly available dashboard that answers the question, here's how we did on election yeah. day. And it could include wait times at the polls, yep. it could the number of uh, election board workers trained, it's, uh, so forth and so on. Is that something, and, and we're working to try to develop something like yes. that. So would you support that kind of a dashboard? and? put resources and time and energy uh, into it? Absolutely, and I, I, I don't know about our viewers at home, but I subscribe to Governing Magazine, and so concepts of this dashboard and all different levels of municipality um, have, have been written about and I've read about them. Um, absolutely, and it, it has to be um, in partnership with organizations like Committee of 70, um, with organizations that um, work with the many different diverse populations in Philadelphia, so to, we're all together at the table um, and bringing in um, all of our constituents together. So absolutely, I think it's a great idea and right. I look forward to working with you we'll, on it. We'll, we'll end on this uh, uh, discussion of performance, but yeah. Jen, thanks for being with us. Uh, as I said, we do have a primary election coming up May 21st. Uh, hope this was useful to you in figuring out who you're gonna vote for for Office of City Commissioners. <clears throat> if you want more, take a look at our world-class voter mm -hmm. guide at 70.org. Jen mentioned it earlier, you can also download our WeVote app, which will put in the palm of your hands uh, everything you need uh, to be a super voter on primary day. So yeah. Jen, thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll see you at the polls. Thank you for having me. And I'll just plug, uh, if you wanna learn more about me and my campaign, you can go to jendevor.com. -E Thank you. Thanks so much, David, I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. I'm David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, Philadelphia's long-standing advocate for better government and better politics. We have a primary election coming up on May 21st, and the way we look at it, the way we look at it, political campaigns are like job interviews. So we're holding job interviews to help you decide who to hire for this job with city commissioner candidates, uh, and uh, give you a chance to hear from them about. Uh, their vision for the office, what they've accomplished, and, and what they hope to accomplish uh, as city commissioner. So our, our guest now is Marwan Creedy. Uh, Good morning. Candidate for city commissioner. And uh, as in a job interview, I'm going to start with the most basic uh, of questions, which is this. Uh, what is this job that you're applying for, and why are you applying for it? Well, the city commissioner, as you know, runs the elections in Philly and also runs uh, registration. Uh, it's an office was a really low bar, as you, you may have noticed. One of the uh, current sitting commissioners who's not running again never shows up to his job. Uh, and the one previous to that uh, hired her daughter, and, and I think her daughter's in jail because of that. It, it's a really low bar. And I think that, you know, the, the fact that voting is so important for our city and for every American, uh, we need to step up and make this not just a regular office and a well-run office, but it's got to be an activist office. We need to increase the number of people voting, increase the number of people registered. And we have to advocate for change in both uh, city procedures and laws, but also statewide. Uh, Pennsylvania has some of the most archaic uh, you know, laws on, on voter registration in the country. We have to register 30 days before. We have closed primaries. We don't have 
same-day registration. I'd like to change all that. That's a state issue, right? Uh, and I would, you know, one of the, the uh, promises I'll make is I'll be a uh, commissioner that'll go around the state, look at other boards of elections, work with them to try to get a majority in the state to try to change these archaic yeah. laws. So you sort of hinted at this, but there's, uh, re rephrasing, there's sort of two pieces of this. Mm -hmm. One is twice a year, there's an election, right. you've got to make sure that that yeah. election runs smoothly. Um, the other piece is, we'll call it the, the policy uh, right. agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, which is more important? Which, which, do, which should voters care more about? I think we should care, they're both equally important. And I can do both. I've had the, I have the administrative experience. I was the chairman of the State Civil Service Commission, ran an organization with 240 plus people. But I think my passion is more, and you probably could tell it from where we did, is the policy. I want to go out there and change it, change things. Because in Philadelphia, we need power. And the more power we have as a city, uh, the stronger we are in the state and the better we're able to make uh, changes. Power in politics is money and votes. And we, need, we don't have the money, we need the votes. Mm -hmm. So registering more people is not only good for democracy, but it's also good for our city to increase our power in Harrisburg and DC. So one of the challenges that we've noted, mm -hmm. uh, there are many challenges with this job, uh, but one is that there, there are three people. Right. Uh, this is sort of, one could say it's a three-headed monster. Right. So uh, in presuming, although not for sure, that there's a Democratic majority on the city commissioners, how do you triangulate sort of who does what? And if there's a dis disagreement between uh, you and a fellow commissioner about some policy issue, some management issue, how do you work that out? Well, you have to show leadership. And I think in the past, we've seen some weird combinations where the Democrat and the Republican have gotten together and uh, made the majority. Um, you have to show leadership, you have to have vision, you have to show that you uh, can run an organization and that you have the vision to, to run it. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a little prospectively mm -hmm. about this, what this job could look like if you were to get elected. Uh, tell us something, uh, in, in take a couple of minutes to give people a sense of your background and how that relates to these two core pieces of the, of the job, the running elections right. and advocating for uh, changes to uh, the whole process. So if you look at the administrative part, you know, I've run, I've been a chairman of the State Civil Service Commission. I was, I ran the City Civil Service Commission. So I have the administrative ability. Uh, I've also advocated since, if you look at my background, I'm a first generation American. My parents are immigrants. Uh, we lived overseas, we came here. I'm a birthright uh, 14th Amendment citizen. So I've worked very hard with uh, immigrant groups and, and new Americans. I was a co-founder of the Philadelphia Immigrant, Immigrant and Citizenship Coalition, PIC. I've run groups like uh, uh, United Voices, which, which really attempts to get new Americans involved in the political process. And as you know, most people coming here from, uh, you know, we, we don't have people coming and trying to, and becoming new, um, new Americans from countries that have robust democracies. We have people coming here from Syria, from, you know, uh, West Africa, from countries that don't have a democratic process and who are scared of government. Basically, the government in those countries, the ones you don't interact with them because you wind up going to jail, especially if you open your mouth and talk about politics. So I've done a lot to get those people interested in politics, get uh, uh, organized and voting. So I've done that. And these are hard to reach people. So I think I've had the background in going out there and registering people and not just registering them, but getting them out to vote. Uh, I currently do a lot of work with the Islamic community and the Arab community and both groups that, especially the uh, immigrant Arab community, that doesn't have a robust democracy in their in their. So what have you found that if, if the core job, as you're <sighs> suggesting, is 
expanding the pool of registered mm -hmm. voters. So what works? Well, what works is going out there and meeting the people and speaking in their language and either, I mean, in their language as, uh, you know, Arabic or, or Haitian Creole or whatever, uh, going out there and telling them it works, but also saying this is what power can do and showing them what power can do. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. We in the Arabic community was, were a community that in 1987, we ran a fundraiser for Wilson Good and people returned our checks because they had Arabic names on it. And that's a good example of where Arab communities got together in the city, we've organized, and since then we've had people appointed to positions of power. That shows, that's a good example of what political power does. And I'd like to duplicate that with other new groups. Well, sounds like you're, uh, you're angling for the job of uh, uh, party chairman. <laughs> hey, no, uh, no, no, no. I think I'm, I'm really, in, in a lot of ways, this is a partisan position, but I've done most of my work in nonpartisan or bipartisan work. So. What about this? Is go back to the, uh, you know, the, we'll call it the core job right. of of running elections. What are the what are the challenges in, in that operation, and what would you bring to those challenges based on your experience? Well, I think the challenges are, you know, making sure that I mean, you have to fill, I, I, you know, you have what sixteen hundred ninety two different um, uh, polling places. You have to fill those every election. So how do you do that, right? How do you make sure that those places are uh, uh, accessible, right? Most of our uh, polling places are not accessible to disability, for disability, for example. So those are hard things. Now, um, how do you do that, right? I think you look at where, where we're missing people. Uh, for example, college students, right? The problem with getting them involved is that they're not here in May. Right? So if we get college students involved to be judge of elections or, or to staff those positions, you've got a real problem there. The one uh, group that I think we need to look at is teachers. Teachers are off, right? So we can really look and see where are people not, getting, uh, not being asked to serve those positions. The other thing is the patronage that's there. I mean, it's a, uh, and, and I think I've, I've read things that you've put out. I agree with you that the position should not be an elected position, mm -hmm. but I have my own ideas. I don't know if you want to hear about those ideas but I don't think it should also be under the uh, mayor's uh, control. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll beg that question for the time being because okay. you know, our focus right now no, is I'm May 21st, right. you're, you're running so forth. So uh, just back to the turnout question, we sort of talked about politics. Uh, you're right, you know, people coming out, this is the original source of power in this mm -hmm. democracy. You're uh, running as a Democrat uh, so, and, and you're running as an elected official. Mm -hmm. um, there are times when High turnout, turnout benefits an incumbent or a challenger, and there are times when low turnout benefits. And, right. and frankly, mo my experience, most elected officials, whichever one works better for them is what That's they're what for. They so uh, how would you deal with a situation where you're, you've got some active you know, registration drives, turnout, we're mm -hmm. all going to come to the polls, and you get a call from a city council incumbent who says, like, what are you doing? Because don't you understand... Uh, this works better for me with 25% turnout than 35% turnout. Well, I've never been one of those people who would, who would take a call like that. I mean, I'd, let, I'd take the call, let them talk to me, but I wouldn't listen to them. Because in all in all, the strength of our city and the strength of this commission is to make the uh, turnout big. Um, I've disagreed with in various people. I've disagreed with them, and I've done my own thing when it's right. I don't follow the party dictates or the, um, the latest. I mean, if you want to Google me, I, I was very, uh, I, I worked again, I mean, I try to, the governor did some things which I didn't like, I like the governor, 
and I was very vociferous in, in advocating for my position. So I don't follow uh, uh, a dictate by someone who calls me. Let me give you another. You mentioned it, so I'll pick up on the thread. Uh, this is called a hypothetical. You're sure. one of three elected commissioners. Mm -hmm. It becomes apparent early on that one of your colleagues never shows up for work. Right. What do you do? Well, you have to publicize it. I mean, the reality is he's elected. He or she is elected. Um, how do you get do things? I mean, you can't get rid of them, right? Uh, it's not possible. What you do is you, you make a big noise about it. You go out to the media and say things like that. You first try to work it out with the individual. <laughs> right, I understand. You try to work it out with the individual but uh, and shame them into doing it. But other than that, I don't think we have the tools yet to do things about that. We don't have any kind of recall uh, uh, possibility in our election system. One other uh, issue that's come up, um, and, and then I want to talk to you about what, what you really hope to accomplish. Uh, issue has to do with the selection of new voting machines. Right. Uh, as you know, uh, the governor has suggested as strongly as he can that there ought to be new voting machines in place for this fall's election uh, as one way of combating the cybersecurity right. um, possibilities, threats that are out. There. We don't want the Russians voting for anything. Right. <laughs> uh, so the city commissioners uh, chose a, a particular type of voting machine. Uh, there's been some pushbacks and community opposition uh, where are you on oh, all that? I think it was a very bad decision. I think it was bad from process. They should have had a much, you know, they knew about the the dictate or the edict by the government to get the governor to get new machines. They waited till the last moment, only had two public hearings. There was no demonstration of the materials of the machines. And then I think they chose the wrong machines. They, they chose the most expensive machines, right, which we don't have the money for. These machines, not only are they more expensive, but they're so uh, sensitive, they have to have, we have to have a whole new warehouse facility that's uh, air conditioned, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a wrong machines. I don't think they're as secure as they could be. Um, and I think if you have both the city controller and the state attorney, uh, auditor general saying, don't buy these machines, I think we shouldn't buy these machines. So you want to restart the process? I would love to restart the process. I don't know if I have that ability, uh -huh. <laughs> but I think there needs to be, I mean, I, I think if even, even if that means we're trying out uh, new voting technology in a presidential primary next year. I think that's the case. I mean, I think what we have is the wrong machines. Uh, I don't know if we, I mean, I, I do think that getting them by the fall is going to be very difficult if we restart the, restart the process. But I think, you know, there's low tech machines that we could get, uh, uh, hand uh, paper mark, or, Hand-marked paper ballots, mm -hmm. I think, work. Uh, we should look at the process that uh, Montgomery County did or what Pittsburgh's doing right now. So I think there is a way to get the machines. Uh, and if it has to be, I'd rather have uh, try out on, uh, I'd rather have a better machine for the primaries than a bad machine for the November election. Okay. One last question in the uh, sort of policy mm -hmm. perspective category. Um, we, among others, have uh, pointed out how significant ballot position is to the future. You've got a pretty good ballot position. I got the best, right? Uh, you've got the golden <laughs> ticket. Uh, that's not fair. It, it's not right? Right. What would you do about it? I'd like to have a system where you have randomization, especially in judicial elections. Uh, I think in, uh, I don't think you want to do it in district elections, but in, in judicial elections, in any election that has more than X number of people, you should have some kind of randomization. I believe you need state. 
uh, permission to do that, though. It would have to be something that you change with the state, but it has to be randomized. So that would be one of your issues right. that you would take care yes. of? Yes, randomization. Okay. I think that's an issue that you could easily win. I mean, that you could potentially win. Um, I mean, okay. it's unfair that if you're number one in the, in the judicial race, you'll probably win. No, no argument here. So uh, let's fast forward four years. You get elected. Now you're looking back on what you've accomplished. What? Give me, you know, one, two, three things, because most often you can only accomplish right. a few significant things in a four-year period. What's that look like? What does uh, uh, this time, 2023, look like? Well, the, so hopefully the elections run smoothly. There's no, there's no uh, controversy over the office, no corruption, uh, and I mean. Uh, I've never had that in any of the offices I've run, uh, but I'd like to implement three specific uh, uh, programs to increase registration. One I call transit voter, the other one I call uh, library voter, and the other one I call the uh, uh, landlord-tenant voter registration act. Library voter and transit voter are very similar. Motor voter is the only thing we've done in, in the state of Pennsylvania or throughout the country to increase registration, but a lot of Philadelphians don't have driver's license. Right? Have, my kids, I have an 18 and 20 year old, they're registered, mm -hmm. They're going to register. They better be registered. Yeah, but, so. and, and they better vote for me. But um, they're not. They didn't register via the uh, motor voter. So if we get them doing their septic cards, if we get them doing their library cards, w there is a technology. It's very easy that you just plop that information over to the online system, mm -hmm. it, and it's safe because it goes to the online system. It doesn't. You know, we're not taking underage people or so forth. They still have to do that. Right. The other thing I would urge, and this has to go, I believe, through city council, but there may be a chance that he can, the mayor can do it on his own. Landlord voter, uh, uh, landlord tenant voter registration started in Madison, Wisconsin. They have it in Seattle, uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, where every uh, landlord, when they start have a new tenant, has to give them a, a document for a lot of things, but one of them has to be voter registration. It has worked in Madison. They've increased their voter uh, registration among uh, tenants. As, as you know, movers or renters have the lowest rate of voter registration. Mm -hmm. And we have a large uh, uh, tenant or renter community yeah. in the city. So those are three things those I want to do. Three things by, those are the three by things I want to do. All right. Um, we've got to wrap things up, but thank you, Marwan Crazy, for joining us. I, I appreciate you giving uh, us the time. Once again, primary coming up May 21st. Make a plan now to vote. Share it with your friends, your neighbors, your family, uh, everyone that you know. Uh, get out to the polls uh, on May 21st. If you need some more uh, help trying to sort your way through the ballot, and it's a big one here in Philadelphia, uh, go to our website at 70.org, the word 70, and you can uh, uh, take advantage of our world-class uh, nonpartisan voter guide. You could also download the We Vote by the Committee of 70 app uh, uh, on your phone, so you have literally in the palm of your hand everything you need to be a super voter on election day. Uh, so thanks so much, and we'll see you at the polls. Thanks for listening to this podcast extra. And as we say in each and every episode of the 20 by 70 podcast, expect more Philadelphia. Philadelphia.